0: Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The US market update with Money FM 89.3. Welcome
1: to the US market swap. I'm Sean Cheung. There's green on the screen today. All three major indexes have ended the trading session higher to claw back the steep losses suffered earlier in the week. The S&P 500 closed at a new record high of 5,029 points. The Nasdaq Composite added 0.3% to close at 15,906 points. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed by more than 0.9% to finish at 38,773 points. For more insights, we are joined on the line. Mark Matthews, the Managing Director and Head of Research Asia for Julius Baer. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thank you very much, Sean. All right. Fresh data now shows that retail sales have dropped by about 0.8% in January, much more than the 0.3% expected by economists. How much consideration should we give to that when analyzing the strength of the U.S. consumer?
0: Not much, because it was an exceptionally cold and harsh January, and therefore people probably didn't go outdoors to buy things as much as they ordinarily would have. Uh, So... I wouldn't read that much into it. Just like, by the way, the consumer price index that was reported a couple of days earlier uh, was also probably uh, hotter than expected. Because in January, that's usually when companies set new prices for the beginning of the year. So both of those series have a lot of volatility in January due to these abnormal factors. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really let them influence my judgment that much.
1: Alright, so we're cheering the fact that we've got weaker than expected retail report. To what extent does this then negate that higher CPI number that we just saw earlier in the week?
0: Well, it kind of does, doesn't it? Um, in the sense that the CPI was a signal of a strong economy and then the retail sales were a signal of a weak economy and by the way we've had some other numbers as well the house builder confidence was um, strong mm-hmm. uh, but um, industrial production was weak so so it's a little bit of a dog's breakfast but on the whole what I think is clear is this is a much stronger than expected Economy, given you know rates went from zero to five percent in such a short period of time, uh, it's still hanging in there. This economy in, in, in a robust way.
1: Okay, so let's take a look at price action over the past week. In order for the market and the Fed then to start converging in terms of market expectations, what do we really need to see happening?
0: Um, I think the most important thing is that the earnings remain strong, and and they have been strong, but there is an expectation that the uh, earnings for this year will be around 10%, and that's coming from around a... Um, 3% decline last year. Um, so last year's big rise and the rise that we have seen so far this year, I think are largely attributable to um, earnings recovery. Uh, so, we need to to see that uh, happening. Uh, Now, I'll simply say so far we have. So far we have seen a nice earnings recovery, of course, driven by the technology stocks that you were speaking about earlier. Uh, NVIDIA doesn't report until Wednesday, but if we just take the consensus expectations for that company and add them to the actual fourth quarter results for the other six magnificent seven. Those companies in aggregate had profit growth in the fourth quarter of last year of 49%, which is, of course, incredibly strong.
1: Okay, let's talk about the Fed. Does the timing of the first rate cut matter when it comes to, you know, some of the more cyclical parts of the market that could become compelling in the midst of these rate cuts?
0: I don't think so, no, Um, because uh, there was a uh, consensus expectation a few months ago. The first rate cut would be as early as next month in March, and the market has clearly dialed that back now on the back of the stronger data that's come out between then and today. Uh, So whether it's March or April or May or maybe even June or July? No, I don't think it matters that much. Um, what matters is that it will come down, and we know that because the Federal Reserve has said as much. It was Jerome Powell who said in December that we know rate cuts are coming, and so... It's pretty hard for him to do a 180-degree turn on that. Um, There just isn't enough data for him to say, no, we're going to keep rates very, very high. And by the way, both he and the Chicago Fed president, Goosby, kind of shrugged off the strong CPI reading. They didn't want the market to think that was influencing them. Um, Goosby said that uh, even if inflation comes in a bit higher for a few months, it's still consistent with their target, and according to Politico, at a meeting with the House Financial Securities Committee on Wednesday, Jerome Powell brushed off the the, the January CPI reading, said it not relevant, not important. All right.
1: So, if you put all that together, where do you think stocks are going to go from here?
0: Um, we have been hoping for a pullback because you don't want a bull market to go up in just a straight line. You you because then it it it. Uh, know what to, you know then it gets too exuberant and uh and it turns into a parabola eventually and that's a very dangerous thing a, a parabolic uh pattern in the stock market you know in other words a sheer mm-hmm. 45 degree angle so we we had been hoping for a pullback around now and uh it's not impossible you could wake up any day and uh you could see the u.s stock market down uh, the nvidia results on wednesday will be very important and if they miss Uh, Even just a little bit in terms of the actual fourth quarter results or their guidance, Um, I think uh, there is room for a pullback uh, in the order of the high single digits, given how strong the market's been over the last few months. But I I would say this is a primary bull market uh, trend trend. and uh, it started in October 2022, which was already quite a long time ago. But bull markets last, on average, much longer than uh, in between October 22 and today and go up much more. On, on average, a bull market over the last 100 years has gone up 115%. We're nowhere near that from October 2022. Okay, so let's
1: switch our attention right now to the Red Sea shipping disruptions. Geopolitically induced spikes in costs and low water levels in the Panama Canal, they've all thrown a wrench in global supply chains. So can the fallout from these disruptions be mitigated by the latest movements in energy prices?
0: Uh, yes, I mean, I think that, um, how should I say, the ne- neither seem to be enough to... Uh, really throw a wrench in uh, the uh, the delivery of goods around the world. I mean, to my knowledge, things are still moving around the world. Uh, shipping rates are higher, it's true, but um, there are lots of ships out there. I I mean, of course, if the Red Sea and the Suez Canal were not operational uh, for many years to come, that would be uh, a, a huge uh, shock to the global supply chain. But the market doesn't uh, appear to think that's going to be the case and uh, I don't either, actually, and I can't tell you how it gets resolved. But of course, there do appear to be talks toward a ceasefire. It's hard for me to, to comment any more on that.
1: And let's take a look at currency markets. The US dollar index stood about 0.3% after the retail yeah. sales data came out. So given that the weaker dollar usually boosts oil prices, as it makes a commodities cheaper for holders of yeah. other currencies, how much of that might be passed on to consumers?
0: Well, I don't expect a lot of dollar weakness this year because although it's true the Federal Reserve will be cutting interest rates, so will everybody else, with the exception of the Bank of Japan. And even they're going to raise their rates, if they do raise rates at all, just a tiny little bit. So um, I don't think there will be uh, dollar weakness. And even if there was dollar weakness, is that going to take oil back to 100? Uh, No, definitely not. Uh, There's actually an abundance of oil out there in the world. And whenever it gets above $90 a barrel, you'll see lots of marginal producers who become profitable in the smaller production areas of the world start to pump more. So there's a natural supply in the market that prevents the oil price from going very high. Thank you very much for that, Mark. Thank you so much. We've been speaking
1: with Mark Matthews, the Imaging Director and Head of Research Asia, Julius Bell, and this is FM, 89.3.